podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and it's our match report with me, Rich Ferraro. We're recording this just after getting back from a 1-0 victory against Leeds United at the City Ground on Sunday the 5th of February, which will henceforth be known as Kalor Navas Day. Brennan Johnson's goal after just 14 minutes was enough to see the Reds over the line, along with some determined defending and some great saves from the debutant veteran goalkeeper. Forrest lined up with Navas in goal, Nico Williams and Renan Lodi at fullback, Willie Bolly and Scott McKenna at centre-half, Danilo and Oral Mangala were flanking Rima Froyla in the middle of the park, and Gibbs White was playing just behind Brennan Johnson and Chris Wood. Now, Baz, um, we've just got back from the match and I'm going to start off before we talk about the game itself with something that we don't usually do, which is to talk about the table, because I took the liberty of taking a snapshot of the table after yesterday's results. And I'm sure that I'm not the only Forest supporter who, after yesterday's Premier League results, suddenly got a bit twitchy and thought, oh, on, we need to look over our shoulders again, don't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. The results basically went against us yesterday. Um, for the most part, um, uh, yeah, it was. It would have been nice to think Everton are dead and buried, and of course our man Sean Dyche uh, seems to have done something there at least. And uh, Leicester winning as well was um, a bit annoying. Yeah, so Leicester leapfrogged us um, in the table and were level on points with us, but with an infinitely superior goal difference uh, after yesterday's results. Everton's victory. Uh, meant that it's suddenly looking quite congested, having had a little bit of daylight. Mm. And then, of course, if Leeds had won today... They would have uh, overtaken would have le- us yeah, and they would have leapfrogged us as well, so we would have been really been back in the thick of it then. So, would you have classed today's game as a six-pointer? Definitely. Definitely. I think I had it down as... It, like, when you looked at the, the, like the, the restart after the World Cup, this little run of games... With with ignoring the Man United Cup games, looked absolutely vital. Yeah, and and apart from the first league match back, which was United at Old Trafford, mm. which obviously we we were well beaten in that one. Um, and then there was Chelsea. Which basically, we would have yeah. So we, we would got have taken the point there. It'd be easy. Exactly. So I think it's three wins and two draws. Mm. No. Yeah, three wins and two draws out of that. The draws coming against Chelsea and Bournemouth. So so we've got to be very happy with that. And, and we'll come back to the run of games a little bit later on. Now, on to today's action. I, look, I, we will talk a little bit about, about, what's, uh, about the style of play and everything in a bit. Let's talk about the action because... The first thing to note was that Kalor Navas was called into action very, very early on after less than two minutes when um, Luis Sinistera got through on the in the left-hand channel. Really good through ball from Tyler Adams. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking that's 1-0. Yeah, and what really impressed me, well, two things. So, first of all, I think I turned to you and said, that's a good, good way to start your career here. Or something like that. But then what really impressed me was how quickly he reacted and got down to, to stop it. And not only did he get down to stop it, he then got up and got the loose ball yeah. before anyone else. Uh, and that was something that was obviously very, very important. So having stayed in the match in that early stage, 
I think it's worth pointing out that let's talk about his saves before we, we go mm-hmm. on to Forrest's action, because there was also a decent save from an effort from Luke Ayling again across. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Willy Nyonto was at the, was at the heart yeah. of most good things that Leeds did from an attacking point of view. He's a player who's in form, who's looking confident, um, looked a bit mardy, but that's <laughs> what happens when a young player gets frustrated, yeah. isn't it? But he was creating lots and, there were a number of chances. There was uh, a moment when Nyonto played the ball in from the left-hand side. Bamford miskicked it. Uh, and then Luke Hayling had a shot from sort of about 16, 18 yards out, which was curling towards the bottom corner. Navas had it all the way, didn't he? Parried it out. Yep. There was a cross into the box where Navas came and did a flying, flying punch out. And to his own cost, he got yeah. injured in the process. Uh, there was an effort which actually Sinistera, this has nothing to do with, with Navas, but uh, Nyonto played the ball in, Sinistera hoofed it over. And then there was also another moment, I think, uh, when there was a, uh, Nico Williams did a really poor defensive header, set up Nyonto basically, mm-hmm. uh, and his shot was parried away uh, from inside the box by Navas. So, Really good saves, really athletic saves as well. Very athletic. And again, the thing that's impressed me with all of them was the speed of his reactions. It was that that level of alertness and, and yeah, coupled with the athleticism so he could react and do the right thing. And I said, and as I've said many times before, I I don't like calling out players, but... He's the same age as Wayne Hennessy and the speed and athleticism and agility that Navas shows to get down to those low saves just knocks Hennessy's ability out of the park, doesn't mm, it? I have, I have no doubt that that particular that first chance on two minutes, I can't see Hennessy saving that because he just wouldn't have reacted in time. He wouldn't have got down to it. No. no. Um, and I would I would say possibly the same with uh, the the save from Nyonto, mm. where I say where Nico had given the ball away. So some really really crucial saves, and um, I have to say, just like you mentioned, what a great great start. If you're a goalkeeper, it's so important to impose your authority, and it's yeah, a yeah. very different type of authority to the Hendersons and Sambas of this world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There, there's no. Or there, there was very little interacting with the crowd. There was no sort of winding people up. It was just, you can trust me, I will be there. Yeah, and the defenders responded well to that yeah. as well, didn't they? Because, yeah, sure, we had to rely on Navas way more than we would have liked in that first half. But, as I say, you, you, when we come to talk about the second half, that, that authority is is very important, mm. isn't it? Let's talk about the goal. Now, Leeds have got Pascal Strack playing at left back. And I think it's fair to say that he was pretty much left on toast by Brennan Johnson (laughs) generally in today's match, wasn't he? Although there was um, right at the start of the game, even before, I think, before the Sinistera chance, um, he basically upended Johnson uh, Mm -hmm. in obviously trying to intimidate him in an old fashioned Stuart Pearce kind of way. Put in a reducer. Yeah, and it just didn't work. (laughs) Well, Brennan, since the World Cup break, has come back looking confident. He's come back looking athletic and stronger. And and, and, and he, smiles back. Yeah, that's true. He's giving back everything that he's getting now. Um, and the goal came from Brennan breaking down the right-hand side and Strauch 
unceremoniously stopping him. Mm. Um, it was one where Strauch actually argued the toss because Brennan got past him and Strauch actually shoved him with two hands to stop him going past. Mm. So how you can argue with that, I'm not quite sure. And from the resulting free kick, Morgan Gibbs-White put the ball in from near the right-hand touchline. And we noticed between us, didn't we, the mm. movement of Willie Bolly and Chris yeah. Wood, both of which contributed to, to the goal. Yeah, Bolly in particular made a, like, a darting run round the back, out-jumped their defender, knocked it down, and then one of their defenders, I think, knocked it to... Basically failed to clear it at all. It was, it was a half-headed clearance, wasn't yeah, it? And, and placed it just for for Jono to hit. And 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 Wood. This is probably this is something that I noticed, and whether it's as significant or not, I'm not quite sure. But he made a very late run, and I have a feeling that that late running man. He didn't get near the ball, but I have a feeling that may have helped put off Strauch, who was the defender yeah, yeah. who was who was defending it. I say Strauch kind of got a, a weak-headed clearance. Johnson was a about 16 yards out, wasn't he? Yeah. And the ball came to him. And let's give credit where it's due because, sure, everyone's going, he's got to hit that. But he hit that with power, with precision, with accuracy. It was very deliberate, but he also put his foot through it, didn't he? It was yeah. a really good volleyed and, ball into yeah, the bottom corner. And, yeah, proper proper volley. And he placed it with power. It's it, you can't you can't fault it, and it's one of those actually gets better the more you watch it as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's is one nil to Forest. Now we know that the first half ends one nil because the whole match ends one nil. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about about that because as regular listeners will be aware, you live in Leeds, mm-hmm. so you get lots of the Leeds gossip. You you deal with the Yorkshire Post headlines. You probably hear loads of the chatter. And um, Jesse Marsh isn't the most popular man in Leeds, is he? He's not. Um, partly, he's he's quite an emotional character. Yeah. And I don't think that goes down well with Yorkshire folk. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but also, the way they play, you add Bielsa, the, the way he played, and on paper, there's a lot of similarities. That very, very high press, that athleticism, the, the never-stop running. But... I mean, at halftime, I, I likened the way that Leeds were playing to watching a bunch of six-year-olds because every time we got the... I mean, we could not keep the ball and we could not pass the ball. The only times we ever got control of the ball was when it was being played from header to header to header. And the reason for that is because this bunch of six-year-olds just swarmed over whoever yeah. had the ball. But the... Other thing that six-year-olds do is when they get the ball, they don't know what to do with it, so they just put their head down and run. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much how Leeds played. And as somebody who's watched under-sevens football quite recently, I, I would be able to absolutely endorse <laughs> everything you've just said. Uh, so, I mean, you, you brought... The, this isn't a Leeds podcast, obviously, mm. but you brought the Bielsa comparison. I think the... Obviously, Bielsa is an impossible job to follow mm. because Bielsa is so calculated and everything that his players do is absolutely calculated. Yep. Nothing is left to chance. Whereas I get the impression with Leeds that it's just about hustling and harrying and pressing. But then the rest of it is just like, so as you said uh, to me during the match, Nyonto is like, it's get the ball to, to Willie and let him do something. Yeah. And you gave a really apposite comparison for, for Forest supporters there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, which is, it's like um, if Chris Hewton played a pressing game, that's what Leeds play like. It's basically concentrate on winning the ball back, 
and then let one of the forwards do something. And um, also the other comparison that comes to my mind, which I heard, uh, I can't for me remember who it was, but talking about on the Totally Football show was uh, Alan St. Alan Maximan when Steve Bruce was the Newcastle manager mm-hmm. where they were playing a 5-4-1 and it's just like, give the ball to Alan and hopefully he'll do something. Yep. Um, so but that, it has to be said that the, the, the upshot of all that is, although, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like watching that week in, week out, but it did mean that we could not control the ball. We could not do anything. And that's where... We never got hold of it, no. did we? And that's why Navas had to make four saves. Mm. And and we had one shot and, in the and entire half. Crucially, so Leeds were playing 4-2-3-1 with Mark Rocker and Tyler Adams as the double mm. pivot. Forrest were playing their usual 4-3-1-2 in the first half. And, and the midfield were just constantly... It's a strange one because I was... I was saying that um, Danilo and Freuler and Mangala, they were doing okay, but they couldn't pass. And you were pointing out it's because there was no room to be able to find a pass. And also, uh, the work that Danilo and Freuler and Mangala were doing was very reactive. So there's, because it was just so congested in in that middle third. And that, if that is the tactic by Leeds... It's, it's one of those, you said it must be exhausting being a Leeds fan, <laughs> watching that every week. I think it's one of those, it's a bit like Sabri Ball. If you're winning, you love it. Yeah. But if you're not, then it it must be very, very wearing. So something had to change, really. And and one of the crucial moments, I think, came when... So we talked about Strauch getting booked. Danilo got a yellow card as well. And I have to say, it's one of those that probably comes under the banner of harsh but fair. But you pointed out... It's probably also the ref doing something to try and keep a lid on things. Yeah, because, as I say, you've got these players swarming all around you. Tempers were were not boiling over, but you could see that there were a few little, like, niggly challenges and a few feet left in. And Danilo just happened to be the one where the ref said, right, that's enough, I've had enough of this. Yeah, and it's basically a late foot in in the challenge and it, it brought the man down, but we'd seen plenty of that in the match, so nothing particularly unusual. Um, that's going to be important in just a minute, uh, but as we said earlier, it finished 1-0 to Forrest at half-time. The 1865 Match Report You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. So there were two substitutions, double substitution by Forrest at the break. And it was a little bit surprised to see two players. We kind of suspected that Danilo might come off because mm. of the yellow card. And one of the things that was noticeable is after he'd been booked, because Brennan plays so high up on the right hand side, Danilo's role was helped to help cover Nico at right back. And after Danilo, Danilo was booked, Nico was looking more exposed. Mm. So we had to change something to stop the right back being exposed. The other thing, of course, was that overload in, in midfield. So the double change saw Mangala and uh, Mangala and Danilo come off. And it saw Jack Colback and Serge Aurier come on. And cue lots of puzzled looking faces mm-hmm. in uh, around the city ground going, Whoa, what's he done there? And the upshot, was essentially 4-4-2 with Gibbs White playing as a kind of a split striker. Brennan Johnson on the right wing and Nico Williams moving from right back to playing left wing. And I'm going to say it now. 
I think that might have been his best 45 minutes of football in a red shirt, don't you? It was, it was quite impressive. I mean, and again, this comes back to what we were saying the other day about what, what's, what sort of player is Nico Williams is. He's not he's not an out and out fullback. He is much more attacking than that. And yeah, playing him on the wing like that, he he, he enjoyed himself by the looks of it. Yeah, and and and, and the match was uh, a lot. I wouldn't say the match was much more enjoyable because I'm not sure <laughs> that's an appropriate phrase. But the players seem to be much more at ease having had that that tactical and formation change. Certainly, Aurier contributed massively at right back. He one thing that I said to you, which I've been trying to find a way to articulate this is that he's got this ability, he's got very good awareness. So in the split second before he receives the ball, he always seems to know what to do before he Mm -hmm. takes his first touch. He always seems to know who's around him. So he knows whether he should drive forward, whether he should cut back, whether he should pass it first time, whether he should put his foot on it. And he did that pretty well. But and quite the, the, the other thing, and this is why I guess the Spurs fans were so infuriated with him, was his positioning is actually brilliant. He's really good at cutting out passes and intercepting the ball, apart from every now and then he goes missing. Yeah, and, and we did have a surge moment, didn't we, mm-hmm. where he basically he'd gone a bit upfield and then when the ball came back down his wing, he just looked around and said, all right, lads, you get it, <laughs> um, which could have cost us... Um, so yeah, but that's that's what you get with it, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Um, let's make the point that Forrest regained control of of the game in that half. Oh, One the crucial. Well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna put oh, the reason I say that is because very simply, Navas didn't have a save to make, mm. and the two centre halves who played well even in the first half, but they were able to stand head and shoulders. And and just when the ball did come in, it wasn't as troubling as Leeds got into our box a lot in the first half and mm. they didn't in the second. Yeah, yeah. And that is down to a combination of tactical change and also adding those experienced heads in Colback and Aurier. And 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 Colback, what was noticeable is that he was helping out Renan Lodi a lot. Mm. It meant that um the Change also meant that the right-hand side was a little bit more secure to the extent that actually after Leeds had made their substitutions, bringing on uh, Crescentio Somerville for Luis Sinistera, a little while after that, they actually swapped their wingers around, put Nyonto on the right wing uh, for a while. And that's because they weren't getting any change. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, what I would say is what, yeah, the change, the fact that we went to two central midfielders like that, meant that, yeah, their Leeds' swarming approach basically was cut out of the game. And it definitely, it made it better to watch because actually people were passing the ball rather than just jostling into each other. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad I wasn't a neutral watching this game. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. let's just put it that way. Um, and uh, yeah, and this, but if we, if we talk about, you know, moments of, of, of action, I mean... In the second half, there were a couple of uh, a couple of moments. So there was some. There was a good break by by Brennan Johnson. He crossed it in, and and Morgan Gibbs White headed it easy save for Melier. Mm. I think if Morgan would to see that again, he'd realise he had loads more time. He could have actually headed it down for himself to to ha- actually set himself up to to have a go, and yeah. and and you'd you'd back him in those situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, um had a chance, but it was, it was straight at Navas, so I wouldn't really count it as a save. And 
Then Sam Surridge, after the ball had come in the box, it came back out again. It was played into the left-hand channel by Freuler, I think. And and Sam Surridge had what you'd call a Sam Surridge chance. He was on the left-hand corner of the box, cutting across it with his right foot, but he put it put it wide. And, and you kind of think, mm, that's... That's the kind of thing where you'd usually back him to hit the target. To hit the, you'd expect him to hit the top corner. Mm. It, as you say, it was a Surridge chance. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and then late on in stoppage time, I think Leeds' half was was summed up really because um, Somerville um, tried to curl a shot towards goal and it went went nowhere near the goal mm-hmm. really. Um, Leeds had also demonstrated their frustration you know, there there are a few scraps, weren't there? And yeah. and, and so unsurprisingly, we'd been saying um all match about Nyonto's gonna lose his rag at some point. Yeah. And it and it came from a moment that I think is worth recounting to any fans <laughs> who weren't there. So Junior Furpo, who'd replaced Pascal Strauch, and I'll come on to why Furpo came on, actually, um, before we talk about this moment. So Furpo came on because Strauch pushed over Brennan Johnson as he was breaking past mm. him. And that falls very firmly into the ref's going to give a yellow card until he realises that the player's already on a yellow card. And it was it was like, I mean, it's not like Johnson, uh, that Stroud was a, the last man, but Johnson had a free run ahead of him. So, yeah, it should have been a yellow card. It should have been a yellow card. And, and immediately Stroud was removed for Furpo to come on. So... Furpo had a throw-in about 30 yards from the Forest byline mm-hmm. on the left-hand side in front of Lower Brian Clough. The ball um, obviously had gone out for this throw-in. Yes, and there was a lot of multi-ball um, <laughs> incidents, jiggery-pokery, wasn't there? So Nyonto, one of the features of the game is that every time the ball went out, Nyonto would retrieve a ball that was on the touchline for the multi-ball mm. system and try and shove it into the palms of Nico or Serge Aurier to you know, just take the free kick. And, or, or to Navas and take the goal kick. And the Forest players would studiously ignore that, wait for the original ball to come back. This time, Furpo picked up a ball off the touchline as he was setting himself the throw in. So I'm... Hands over I've his got, head. I've got, got my hands over my head. And literally, as he was swinging the ball, someone lobbed the original ball out of the crowd, <laughs> knocked the ball out of Furpo's hands and bonked him on the back of the head. <laughs> Which is quite amusing, but Nonzo wasn't amused. No, and he booted the ball back into the crowd. And yeah. that's one of those where technically the ref should be booking him. Um... It created a little bit of a melee, didn't yeah. it? And and actually, I think the ref did the right thing by just saying, "Look, yeah, he took he took him aside. He like, very much took him aside. He literally dragged him away from the other players and <laughs> gave him a bit of a talking to on his own." Yeah, and and I think it's probably the right decision, yeah. isn't it? Um, so yeah, so Leeds' frustration was boiling over. Um, the thing is, is that Forrest actually, in many ways, the kind of uh, the thing that people sometimes call professionalism, but we would call gamesmanship, that Leeds might have tried to 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 use in this particular game. Forrest played them at everything, didn't mm. they? Uh, right down to corner flagging it in the last five minutes. Um, time wasting, but falling short of getting booked. Yep. Those kinds of things. There was a brilliant moment just in stoppage time where Leeds won a free kick down near the A block corner mm-hmm. and Serge Aurier went down as if he'd, <laughs> as if he'd been stabbed in the like, leg. Oh my God. Uh, and actually a couple of Forest players came over to him to see if he was all right. Yeah. 
And of course, we knew, having watched him go down, he was absolutely fine. And of course, it's just that thing of buying yourself a few seconds to regroup. So there was lots of that going on. And in the end, it was enough, wasn't it? Mm. And it's a strange one because Leeds will feel... Apparently, Jesse Marsh in his post-match interview said, we keep finding new ways to lose. And he's saying... We had a really good start. We were on top of the match. We had a chance to score and their set piece was the only chance that Forrest had, which is true. Yep. But on the whole, over the course of 90 minutes, I would also say that Forrest were actually good value. If you look at it in the sense of they took a lead in the first half and then they regrouped in the second half to find a way to protect that lead and, and gain a degree of control that they hadn't previously mm. had. So in that sense, I would say it's it's a good home victory for Forrest, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, I, I had received a text off a Leeds fan saying we were better. Mm-hmm. Which, it, yeah, if, if uh, and many people would would have watched the number of chances going in and said, yeah, Leeds should have won that. But actually, we played a better game of football. Is the the way to call it. And maybe this comes back to what we were saying in about the kind of the bunch of six-year-olds thing, which is that Steve Cooper had the tactical nous to change things in a way that meant that Forrest could gain some control, whereas Jesse Marsh being, you know, from the Red Bull Management Academy, mm. uh, it's just about pressing and hustling and and, you know, the question being, has he got more... Can he offer more uh, with his team than that? Leeds have got a young team, Forrester got a young team, but I think that experience that was added in, I mean, we saw Andre Ayew come on, for example. To corner flag it. Yeah, to corner flag it. Uh, we saw Aurier and Colback come on, two grizzled old pros. So that's what I would say is, you know, what Forrester doing to really you know, to make the changes to preserve their Premier League status. And and that's a pretty good reflection of what the January transfer window was about, wasn't it? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Cooper said, the first half was not a good version of ourselves. The second, defensively, I thought we were excellent. We didn't play so great with the ball, and at times the game didn't really need that. The outcome is the most important thing. And he said Mm -hmm. to Radio Nottingham, I'm realising that now. Um, But my job is to look deeper than that, work out how to get better. And he made a point of saying that... We couldn't afford to have Danilo on that yellow card because this isn't a match we would have got a result with 10 men. Mm. But also the experience that we brought on was really, really crucial. It's probably the first time we've not played that well and got and, and won the game where we've not played that well. So he's put so weirdly the lads deserve that today for the first time. So um Cooper, as always, bang on the money with his post-match <laughs> comments and 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 as always, he's you know he's 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 a genius. He's 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 summed it up perfectly. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I have to, so because we're Forest fans and everyone thinks we always look to the past. I I can remember there was a point in Billy Davis's first spell in charge of us, and every now and then we play this absolutely amazing football. We had um like some very talented players there, but. There was a period for about two or three months where we just ground out results. And I called us a juggernaut. We just like got in the way and flattened anyone that, that tried to get in our way. Um, and that's what we did today. 
Mm. Yes, it was definitely a game of attrition. Um, my my dad is overseas at the moment and he sent me a text message and I said it was a battling victory. <laughs> and we haven't really had a battling victory so far this season, have we? No, not well, I don't think we even did really last season. Not where we ground it out like that. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe losing the playoff semi-final second leg to Sheffield <laughs> United counts as a battling victory in a very strange way because we got the penalties. Um, so it was it was really interesting to see Forrest being able to get results in that way. I'm going to talk very briefly um, about that home advantage because home advantage is a key factor in Forest season. Um, our Tom was on... Five Live talking to um, Chris Sutton and Robbie Savage last night, and this is what he had to say. Come What's on. the best atmosphere, the city ground or Ellen Road? City ground all day long. Uh, Mullican Tire before the game. We'll get behind the um, team for 90 minutes, and we've got the trend 10 to suck the ball in the back of the net, which you'll hopefully see tomorrow. Baz? Right, so obviously that's an adversarial situation created mm. for radio, but it is. It's Forest's fans that are getting us over the line. And even in that, that uh, the games that we've lost at home, Bournemouth is an example, Man United in the Carabao Cup first leg, those games where the team haven't found the extra gear has often coincided with the games where actually the, the atmosphere is a little bit flat. These mm. things do have a chicken and egg quality, don't they? Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I think... So the the atmosphere at the moment is better than I've ever ever I've ever remembered it. It's it's brilliant in because quite often it used to be that that it would take the team to kickstart the fans, but it seems to be the other way around at the moment, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and at the start of the match, Forza had put one of their big banners up in the trench, which. By the way, very amusingly, almost caused all kinds of <laughs> havoc when they tried to take the banner down and got caught on the gantry. There's a bloke who's jumping down from the stand into the gantry. I'm sure there's going to be a health and safety investigation about that. But things like that, uh, the things like just singing and chanting Steve Cooper's name, uh, the Forrester Magic song, those are things where all of a sudden it builds up and, and you can see that the heads raise yeah, yeah. slightly and, and, and the I tempo think, so, raises yeah, slightly. Yeah, I, th- I said for the Man United's Carabao Cup game, I thought it was quite negative and I've been thinking about that. Why was it different? What was different about it? And the key thing I've noticed actually is during that game, there were a few people yelling at our players saying that was rubbish. And the rest of this season and most of last season, you didn't get that. Even if someone was having a stinker, you might say it to the bloke next year, but you weren't screaming, Oi, whoever, you're rubbish. Do you think this is partly what happens when you get non-regular fans going to cut matches? Maybe. But, I mean, but that that's... That is, I mean... Even for for most of my time watching Forest, regular fans have done that. Moaning on gits. Yeah, yeah, and we don't do that at the moment. The, we, the... we support our players. If they're having a bad game, we'll applaud them when they get subbed. Yeah, and and uh, the the bloke behind me so syndrome is, yeah. is is it's not a thing of the past quite. I mean, there's a bloke who's a bit in front of us, <laughs> and, the, the, and the, actually the bloke behind me was annoying me a lot today. <laughs> but it's it's not as noticeable. Mm. Um, maybe you don't notice it as much just when the results are better. I don't know. But 
I will add in there. So firstly, Cooper wasn't going to do fist pumps. Yeah. And, <laughs> we, and we, we basically press ganged him into it, didn't we? <laughs> um, so he gave fist pumps to the Brian Clough stand and to the A block. I don't think he gave them to the Trent no, stand. Didn't. Um, and then the second thing, I'm just thinking about Kaylor Navas's experience as a debutant. He got man of the match and deservedly so for that first for those first half saves. But also, having played for PSG in Madrid, this almost have took him back to the start of his career yeah, where it's you a know tiny little ramshackle stadium. A small ground, but also fans who are really urging their team on in a way that you don't get when you play for a massive club who have, to coin a phrase, plastic fans. Mm. Um, you know, something that that we comment about, about the Man United's of, yeah. and and the Arsenal's of this and world. And Steve, uh, in the, the Man United report, said, yeah, it's quite often like that. So thank you to the Forest fans for, for giving us an atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so so Navas will hopefully have enjoyed that. Gustavo Scarpa, before the game, was, yeah, saying, he was saying... He's saying, yeah, he loves the atmosphere. He thinks the songs are funny. Um, I'm not sure what he'll have made of the one about Jimmy Savile, but... Um, <laughs> That's maybe one to explain to him another day. (laughs) And I think as well, it's worth having a look forward because the next game is an away match. It is away at Craven Cottage, which is another small-ish ground. Home advantage is really important for Fulham. They are a really good team. They're showing the value of Premier League experience, both in terms of management and players. Then we've got Man City at home. A Man City beatable at the City Ground? It's 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 a big stretch to say yes, but I can see us scoring more than one goal against them. Mm. West Ham away—that's gonna. I mean, that's tough because it's an away match. Mm. But again, big stadium. Maybe sometimes accused of being a bit soulless. Distance Bang between the, the pitch and the, gra- yeah. uh, the fans. And and so if there's a few thousand Forest fans in the block. Supporting the team, you never know, and, and of course, you know, with West Ham, you never they you're never quite sure what you're going to get, yeah. are you? Um, then Everton at the City Ground at the beginning of March, who knows whether it was new manager bounce mm. and whether Everton will revert to type or whether Deitch is going to have a lasting effect. Spurs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I've been there for a gig. It's a wonderful stadium. I have no idea what it's going to be like on match day, and then Newcastle at the City Ground um, in mid March. That's going to be a hot ticket, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be a very, very good match. Really tough run of games over the next six weeks. So the points we've gained in the last last six weeks are crucial, aren't they? Definitely. And yeah, it's, it's, it's quite difficult to see us getting a haul like that for the rest of the season. But as things stand, Forest are currently... In 13th position, so we've gone back above Leicester. We're equal on points with Crystal Palace in 12th, uh, although our goal difference is eight goals poorer. And we currently have six points between us and Everton, who take the last relegation place. So we've developed that little cushion again. It's congested in the bottom half of the table, isn't it, Baz? Mm-hmm. But then you also look upwards a little bit, and we're not that far from some very big names. So it's quite it's quite a turnaround from where we were a few months ago. And I'm just going to finish by pointing out what you said in the car on the way to the match, which <laughs> is, could Forrest finish above Liverpool? And OK, we will leave. There's nowhere we can go from there. So I'm going to say thank you to you, Baz. Thank you for Tom for um, uh, joining Savage and Sutton on 606. 
thank you to you, listener, for joining us, and thank you to the 1865 podcast on production duties. We'll be back after the Fulham match. Better night out, Nottingham or Leeds, Tom? Nottingham, they've got uh, nine bars within a square mile and we have a Hooters. Sports Social Podcast Network.